Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to a very special off-season special of the ESPN Footy Pod. The free agency and trade period are now done. And with one eye looking back on what has happened and one eye looking forward towards the draft, we've got ESPN's player movement expert, Chris Dory, joining us. Chris, it's a busy time of the year for you. Does it feel like a bit like your Christmas once the grand final's won and done? It is indeed. Yeah, it's the time of year I always look forward to, be at the trades, be at the draft. Um, yeah, it's always good fun. So yeah, I'm always sort of fantasizing about this time of year. Settle down, son. <laughs> well, we've got Chris joining us, but we've got no Christian today. Uh, he's enjoying some uh, well-deserved leave. Uh, however, we've got some of his notes, Jake Michaels. So you and I will have to carry the load uh, and try and bring a statistical slant to everything we're going to chat about today. Are we feeling confident about doing this? Oh, we can give it a whirl. Um, good to be back for another episode. It's been how many weeks now? When was grand final? Weeks. Three yeah. weeks? I'm losing track. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things. Do you, do you enjoy the trade period? Me? Personally, yeah. Uh, I, I don't. I just think I think it's oversaturated with, with media. I actually enjoy the player movement aspect of it and the storylines and how clubs can get stronger or, or get stronger draft hands by trading out players. I enjoy all that aspect of it. I think I've grown tired of the way that it's just constantly bombarded at you, but I can see why it appeals mm. to a lot of people. Uh, that's for sure. Do you? You, you? Well, you just don't get a chance to take a breath after the grand final. Like it just one thing rolls into the next and you kind of, I don't know. I, I've always found that once that final siren goes uh, in the grand final, people tend to lose interest until sort of, I always joke, it's always round two or three the following year until everyone's like, all right, footy's actually back now. Um, and then you're like, oh, such and such is on our team. Didn't even know. <laughs> Let, let's not disrespect the loyal listeners of the podcast who are tuning in <laughs> trying to get their, their tidbits from the, uh, the free agency and the trade periods. Um, Chris, it's great to have you on, mate. We had you on a couple of times. We had you on earlier this year. And we've had you on a couple of times in the past chatting about what you do for us. And you do do some great work. Um, you do heaps of work throughout the year looking forward towards the draft. You do some power rankings for us that are monthly. You do these player apps, which are, are full of detail. And if you haven't seen any of these, please just head to espn.com.au forward slash AFL to get a look. But you've also taken a look at the free agency and the trade period and, and uh, how teams have fared coming out of it. Um, you've cast your eye over the last couple of weeks worth of action. Anything notable, I guess, the first thing that jumps out, of, out, out to your mind about the way that uh, this unfolded this year? Was it a little bit boring? Um, I still found it interesting. One of the interesting components, and I'm just thinking of this now, but um, there's been sort of a salary dump component that is seen quite often actually in international sports. So say if you're an NBA fan, you often sort of see that, but we've seen that quite a bit actually during this trade period. So Gold Coast is an example. It feels like sort of employed that with the um, Will Brody trade, um, just giving away those picks. So in combination where it felt like they're giving away the better picks as part of the trade. And I think that's actually a trend we'll start to see more over the coming years as the salary cap really sort of tightens. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think the other thing that, that interested me is the, the, the way that you tend to see players traded just before they hit free agency as well, just to avoid any surprises when it comes to compensation or if they can get a better deal early, you have more clubs in the running for players. Um, you can you kind want of to make sure the, you can get something, I guess. Well, yeah, you can kind of, of day, see the like... nuances of how these discussions play out and the way that since free agency has become a thing in particular, the way that clubs are trying to leverage different loopholes and, and other bits and pieces. I mean, it must be fascinating to keep a close eye on it and, and, and see all that stuff unfold, Chris. 
Yeah, absolutely. And even at like a Luke Dunstan as an example for St Kilda, I actually really liked his play over the second half of the year, both what he was doing contested and tackling and with all the pressure he was providing, but not getting any compensation for him. I'm just thinking, wow, he's, he's actually quite a capable player. So um, with the free agency compensation, you're not always necessarily going to get something from it. Whereas you might have other instances, maybe a Marbiel Chol, where you can get compensated reasonably. Mm. So, um, yeah, you do have to calculate sort of what your compensation might be as a part of that too. Absolutely. Well, looking back at the last couple of weeks as a whole, um, I guess, do you have a couple of winners and losers for us out of the trade period? Have, have, have clubs done really well and exceeded what you thought they might be able to do? And, and what clubs, uh, which clubs sort of disappointed you, I guess? Sure. So in terms of the winners, Adelaide is definitely, for me, a clear winner. Um, getting Jordan Dawson, I thought for a late first round pick, that's phenomenal. Um, personally, I actually evaluate him based on where I see the draft talent as closer to pick four. And with Melbourne, a chance to contend again, if not go back to back next year, well, I think that's an absolute bargain. But of course, in that trade scenario, there was that component of leverage, which meant that Adelaide were able to get him at a discount. So The, the other thing with him is he's proven. We know what he is. He's a known quantity. It's, it's so often people... You know, once a player's 21, 22, 23, oh, I would rather a number one pick. Well, hang on a minute. I'd rather a guy that's actually really, really good that has got 10, 12 years in front of him and we know what he's going to be. There's we have there's no chance he's going to be a bust because we've seen him play at the top level. Well, here's me playing Christian for you. Um, he spent 50% of his time in defense. He spent 29% of his time in the midfield and 21% of the time as a forward. He's one of only 12 players in the comp to spend at least 20% across all three lines in this time. So it just goes to show how flexible uh, a player like Dawson is. And the fact that he also was the equal sixth most score involvements of any player in his position, like as a, as a defender, um, I think the value there is phenomenal. And, and as you say, Chris, I think um, they've walked away clear winners of, of the trade and free agency period because of yeah. it. Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think we need Christian back now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and the other um, sorry, big winner. Yeah, go on. No, no, please uh, continue. Yeah, the other big winner I saw was um, West Coast getting Sam Petreski Seaton. So he's someone where I feel like he's been poorly utilized by Carlton the last couple of years and only needing to pay pick 52. I think that's a good bet where even if he doesn't work out, you're not paying much. But if he does, then West Coast have really got something. So, mm. um, but I think the key is just putting him through the midfield, getting him more around the ball, making sure he's got that continuity. I think that's the key to getting the best out of him. Uh, look, it wouldn't, you know, we, we joke a lot that we're all Carlton supporters on this podcast. It would not surprise me in the slightest if he became a, a B plus player or, or even an a, a low A grade player for West Coast. We've seen it time and time again with Carlton players um, that are either used out of position or, you know, not given the opportunity that they probably deserve particularly as a as a um as a high draft pick um only a few years back it's it's not like he's a washed up player or anything like that so certainly wouldn't surprise me but yeah look they take a chance and sometimes if you take three or four chances like that you're probably going to get one of them that's going to make up for the other three if the other three go bust uh one for me i'm going to i'm going to throw my hat in the ring jake we talked about this uh i think potentially in the grand final podcast or previewing the grand final podcast when we looked back at the prelims and we said, yeah. what does Port need to do to take the next step? Uh, and we kind of agreed upon a couple of things, but one of them was was a secondary marking target inside the forward 50 and, and someone who can provide support to Charlie Dixon. I think Jeremy Finlayson comes in um, and he's a, he's a proven 
goal kicker who is an accurate kick. Um, I think he's he's ranked equal first of top 50 targets across the, the competition. Um, and he, sorry, he's kicked a goal from 20% of the time he's been targeted inside 50, ranked equal first of the top 50 targets across the competition in this time. And that's equal with Bailey Fritch, who uh, we know play, had an amazing season and was uh, incredibly influential in, in the grand final and throughout the final series. So Robbed um, of a Norm Smith medal, apparently. Be, so, well, so they tell potentially me. have been. I mean, his two goals kick-started the, the comeback, so maybe yeah. that's a can of worms. I, I honestly think that Jeremy Finlayson is probably the most you could almost argue the best player that that moved club over this over this off season period but i certainly think he's going to be the most valuable to his new team um exactly we did we spoke exactly about this and we've seen what finlayson can be as the number 2 key forward when he played alongside or behind uh jeremy cameron he was phenomenal and he was mm. a defender that got thrown up there and sort of turned turned their whole forward line around I think he can be really, really good. And I also think it will benefit Charlie Dixon going forward. Um, Laddam's moving on. Don't necessarily see that as a, as a huge loss. Um, but I he was think... back in the queue in terms of yeah. being the number one ruck. So it makes sense. And, and Sydney required someone to come and help support yeah. the, you know, Tom Hickey, who's, who's held together by bandages. But we, we know that their strength, um, we know that their strength is They've got, a, they've got a very solid defense. They've got enough in the midfield. It was probably that key key position in the forward in the forward line that they were sort of lacking. They've got enough ground level players, I think, certainly in the forward line. Um, and I think Finlayson stays healthy. I, I think he can be a, a really, really important piece for Port um, going into next season. And a Port team that over the last two years, um, just looking at wins and losses, are just are as good as anybody over the last two years. Um, yeah. Chris, and I have to agree with you both on Finlayson as well. Just being that second option, I think, is a definite upgrade over Marshall for me personally. Just the additional scoreboard impact in particular. 100%. Um, we talked about some winners, perhaps some, some losers. You mentioned Gold Coast seeking some salary dumps. Uh, once again, they have to reload and go to the draft. Is, is that sort of where you see the, the clubs that have struggled at this trade period? Yeah, look, Gold Coast couldn't do much, but they had a tight salary cap. So it was really for them just moving into next year's draft, given they're well positioned. They've obviously got the early pick this year and they might get some local academy prospects. But um, the two teams that I'm actually looking at as the losers are probably Fremantle. Um, Adam Chera, I'm a big fan of him. And I think for the Carlton supporters, get excited. I think he's a genuine third midfielder. Um, and for really, I think his valuation should be closer to the pick three, four mark based on this year's talent. So I think that's quite a good sort of value you get there for Carlton. You but, think um, is better than Brayshaw? I think they're in the same conversation. Better ball user has a bit more capability around the ground, but Brayshaw, I think, will be the higher volume accumulator. So different players, different capabilities. But yeah, I rate them fairly closely, personally. So I, 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 gotta, I must admit, I'm not 100% all in sold on Chera. It's not to say I think it's a bust. I don't think that at all. And I'm, you know, I see it as the, a move. You got to make moves. You know, look, got to be aggressive and make moves. There's too many teams that don't do it. We've seen over the last decade that the clubs that were willing to bring in players are the clubs that were successful. So I'm not against making the move, but I, I personally haven't seen what everyone has sort of made him out to be. I, I haven't seen it yet. So I'm still sort of waiting to see what he can be. If he turns out to be the player that everyone expects, great. But don't tell me he's this player yet because he, he hasn't shown it yet. 
Yeah. And, and for me, I'm saying he's a third midfielder. He's not yeah. Walsh. He's not Cripps, but as a third option, he's a very good third option. Yeah, you'd so. want to be, you'd want to be about a Cripps right now, at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm trusting he'll get back to his prior form with some good health and a better run with injuries. So um, um, any yeah, other three, teams that you're a bit negative on? Yeah, and with Fremantle, just staying on them for a moment, Clark as well, I thought they paid a lot for as well, just being someone where he's not a regular, he's had the three years in the system, so spending what they did was quite a bit there. But the other team, I'd say as well, is um, St Kilda. So, um, again, they didn't really do anything. They missed on the um, trade for Jerry, so they're a bit sort of, they're not great through the ruck. They just need that little bit more depth potentially there. Um, But then also... Um, what was the other one as well? So losing Dunstan for nothing. I, yeah. I really rate Dunstan. I think he's a ripper. And I wouldn't be surprised. I know Melbourne's midfield is fantastic, but I could actually see him getting a role maybe as a fourth midfielder for Melbourne and really being impressive both defensively and with the contested side mm. of his game as well. So I think St Kilda with their, you could say pretty thin midfield, might actually miss him quite a bit. Fair enough. Uh, in terms of value pickups, uh, some sort of left field options. Jake, did you have any thoughts on 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 players that moved clubs who you thought well actually that could be a nice little shrewd pickup well i think the one that that chris just said was the petrovsky seaton one i think what was it pick 50 something yeah, yeah 52 uh, pick 52 I, I, look again it's a bit of a gamble like cuz we haven't really seen seen him to be a you know we we know he, right now he's probably not a worth a pick 15 or 20 but could he be in, in 18 months' time? Potentially. As I said before, he's young. Um, he's shown that he's he can be a good ball user. He's got used in the back line. Does he go and play more in the midfield now? I think moves like that, they're worth they're worth taking. Would I would I say it's a great move for West Coast? Well, no, not yet, because we don't know how it's going to turn out. But if it does turn out to be a bust, well, they're not really giving up much for it. So moves like that, where you where you're bringing in young players that have shown they can be something. Um and, and not really giving up much for it. Uh, you, it's kind of really on the upside, I think. Chris, any thoughts on uh, some shrewd pickups? Yeah, so there's two names that we haven't really sort of spent much time talking about. Um, Peter Laddams, you, you mentioned sort of briefly. I actually really like him as a get for Sydney, honestly. I think a bit underutilised for Port Adelaide. I think he's the natural sort of successor for Hickey, and I think he'll share some of those ruck minutes. But in terms of ruckman under 25, I think give him a couple of years and he could be a really good ruckman. So um, giving up, it was only really moving back the four picks, mm. moving another sort of nothing pick. I thought that was a really terrific play there. Um, but the other name, and you, it might not mean too much for you if you don't watch Collingwood, but um, Max Lynch going to Hawthorne, I thought was a fantastic one where he just played those two games for Collingwood filling in for Brady Grundy and he held his own. Riley O'Brien first game, Max Gorn the second game, actually won the hit out against Gorn in the second game. So um, Collingwood didn't feel like they lost much. One so hit Hawthorne out or being the hit outs? No, he actually won the hit outs. Oh. Max Gorn. Yeah, one is, hit out. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah, sorry. But, yeah, he won the hit-out count, and he was just really competitive in those games. So I think long-term he'll compete with Ned Reeves for that number one ruck position, and it really solidifies Hawthorne's ruck stocks for next to nothing. They didn't what did they give up, up for that for him? Um, the trade involved, I'll just get it for you. Um, it was two future thirds for Lynch, a future third, and a future fourth. So, so um, not really, yeah. you're not really giving up much, but I think he'll be a genuine ruckman. And, um, yeah, for a team that really needs that other option, Reeves, we need to see if his body can hold up. But um, I think they'll really both fight it out and be two capable Ruckman 
going well, forward for the Hawks. So you look at the Hawks yeah, and they, they ship out John Segler, uh, who's, who's, you know, 30. Mm. Funnily enough, they ship him to Geelong. So perfect mm. age bracket for the Cats to pick up. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah, you're right. They, they pick up a young, exciting prospect who's shown that he can compete at the level uh, and, and have sort of future-proofed that position for the next few years. I completely agree. I think it's one of the more um, more interesting pickups uh, for the for the Pies, uh, sorry, the <laughs> for Hawks. the Hawks, um, and will be one that can sort of, you'll sort of see the benefits, as you say, for not much expenditure over the next sort of four to six years. Mm. Um, yeah. The one for me is Jake Kelly, I think, the Bombers um, need extra defensive help. We've sort of seen that they can be quite high scoring at times, but they can also be a bit of a leaky ship. So to kind of get Kelly in and um, he was outmarked in just 9% of his defensive one-on-ones uh, and only lost 18% of his defensive one-on-one contests. Uh, this is this gold. Year. This is great stuff here. I'm really the, impressed. <laughs> the second best percentage of the top 50 one-on-one defenders in this time. So he's proven that he can be that player. Uh, and at 26... He's a very... He's a very underrated player, Jake Kelly, I think. Yeah. No, and, great and the perfect age bracket for the Bombers to be picking someone up and looking to fill holes in that defense. I think that's just, uh, that was a really, really good move by, by Essendon. And maybe that's why they weren't so active is they got the guy that they felt they needed quite early in the piece. Yeah. You don't need to go and bring 10 different blokes in. Go and get the right people. The, the, go and fill, fill the gaps that you need. And that's, that's what the good clubs do. It's not about just bringing in a whole heap of new players. It's about... What are our weaknesses right now? What do we need to improve in? Let's fix that. And it may only take one or two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if that improves the best 22. So that's what it's about at the end of the day. You can only exactly take right. 22 to the games. So yeah, that's what you want. And, and Chris has gone through all of these uh, in a big wrap that we've got going up on the website, depending on when you listen to this podcast, either tomorrow morning or this morning. Uh, so check espn.com.au forward slash AFL. We'll have the trade grades and, and the free agency grades, and uh, you can kind of pick your way through those and see who the winners and losers are. Um, we've had one eye looking back, but let's put one eye looking forward now because the draft is looming on the horizon, Chris, which is um, your expertise really. And, You've been looking at this all year for us, if you've done, as you've done for many years. And I guess just for our listeners who haven't given much thought to the draft at this point of the season and are maybe starting to turn their attention towards it, set the scene for us. I mean, you know, the overall depth of the draft, um, the, the early picks, who's who's predicted to go, you know, in the top three and, and some of the father-sons that are involved. Sure. So for me, there's a really clear, distinct top two. So there's Jason Horn francis and then, and then there's Nick Dacos. For me, they could be two top 10 in the competition level midfielders. So they could be in that same sort of sentence as your Sam Walsh, Bailey Smith types. So um, I think you do really have that genuine top end. From now, there, though, now, the do, draft... you, do you just, sorry to interrupt, but do you have a gap between them? Because you've, you've said there are I the do. top two. There are I a do. gap between those two to the rest, but are there a gap between those two? Yeah, so I do see quite a bit of separation between those two and the rest. So from there, you're either looking at some guys who are pretty good and should have good careers. So maybe you're Adam Chera sort of equivalents or thereabouts. And then you've got your high upside types where they might not make it or they could be superstars in the future. So um, two that could be those superstars of the future. You could look at a Sam Darcy, who's another, um, he's another father son. So Bulldogs, son of Luke, um, as that sort of your tall key forward is around 205, 206 centimeters, long arms. Um, is a late bloomer. So um, there's a lot of development in him. And then there's a Finn Callahan as well, where he's that really super athletic midfielder, 190 centimetres, moves like no one I've seen in traffic in terms of that speed agility, but he needs to develop that contested side and the tackling to, and that real sort of aggression to really become that 
whether it's a bont or whatever it is. So, so you expect Darcy could be a top three, four, five pick. He's in that mix, yeah. So yeah. for me, it's probably a three to five. I'm yeah. just thinking, it was the last time a Ruckman went so high. Yeah, so he's actually not a Ruckman. He's more a key positioner, but he can certainly play through the Ruck. So okay. one of the interesting things I've found over the years with the draft, particularly over the last five or so years, is those guys, 200 centimetres plus, they're actually played as key position players when they're the more talented types. So like whether it's your Joe Danaher sort of archetype or your, you've got your Max Kings, Ben Kings, so um, you've got a Darcy and he's another of that exact mold where mm. he's so talented, where it's, he's got the overhead capabilities, but he's clean at ground level, good skills. So um, there's no reason to put him in the ruck when you can put him as a key positioner and he's just really got that height advantage over everyone yet is more talented as well. So Do you have like a, an idea of, of previous drafts and kind of similar similar top end talent and where, where this year's draft would fit. If you had to look at a draft from years gone by, is there a similar draft that jumps out as being quite similar in its top end talent? Um, There's no exact like for like, but there are a few drafts where there's some similar dynamics. So one draft that I look at is actually 2009. So that was actually the first year I started sort of looking at the draft, really looking at the talent closely. So um, within that draft, you actually found outside of the first round. So probably picks 20 to 40 thereabouts there are a lot of good players but then in the first round there are a lot of misses and I wouldn't be surprised this year given just the evenness really from that almost three onwards you could say maybe six seven onwards it's just so even that it's hard to split the talent so I think we're going to see quite a lot of misses but then on the other hand there's quite a bit of depth later on where there could be some real finds yeah I could be way off but I feel like nowadays we have less misses in the first round or two than we did say a decade ago yeah you're absolutely right yeah and this could be almost a throwback draft if you like where there's players where they're in the mix for picks three four five six whatever it is and i rate them out around the 20 marks so um and so there's that sort of variation on draft boards where mine might be a bit more sort of extreme than a lot of the other variations you might see on other draft boards or in their power rankings The, the uh, thing, keep your eye out I, for Richard Tambling. <laughs> yeah. The thing, the thing that I wonder is, this is now the second year that we haven't been, or you guys haven't really been able to watch um, a lot of, especially in Vic Metro, these these mm. young kids go about it. And I remember interviewing um, a couple of of people in list management last year for an article talking about the difficulties of trying to scout these guys without having the opportunity to. Um, now that this has happened for a second straight year, is is that why you think there could be some of these? hits and misses when you when you're sort of looking at form that may be two years old definitely yeah particularly with the victorians as well where we've only really had half a season we haven't seen them we haven't seen the second half of the season to see how they've developed so there's a lot of guesswork there but we haven't seen them against the other states either to really see how they compare so um yeah with the victorians in particular and i felt the same last year it's going to be very hit and miss so um yeah so you might get some victorian bargains but others where you think they're going to be better and that's just a complete flop of a selection. So, Fair enough. Uh, I guess at the moment, the big news in draft world is the combines that are on or being held over the, the last weekend, this weekend, and, and, and some that are still upcoming. Um, I think it was Vic Country had theirs this past weekend. Uh, any stocks that have risen or, or fallen out of those that you've noticed? Yeah, so the one that could be considered a rise or at least that impressed me was um, Mitch Nevitt. So um, here's someone where he's part of my top 20 power rankings. And basically his profile is his 194 centimeters and very strong. So if you try and tackle him, he'll stand up in the tackles 
get his get the ball off by hand and he, he'll get to every contest but um he rated in in the top few so he was a sub three second 20 meter sprint so that's phenomenal for someone that height and then he was also one of the top 2k time trials i think he was a 620 so um so having the speed endurance combo you can really see his agility in traffic as well is very good so at 194 centimeters um yeah you're looking at potentially someone who could be very good so um he could be someone who probably isn't on a lot of draft boards as a top 20 pick but i think might be as we draw closer to the draft how much of an impact does the combine have like i know that uh recruiters have probably seen what they want to see out of these players a lot earlier in the year is it is it just about putting numbers on paper at the combine or or can you get some real sort of late uh bolters i guess emerge from what they put up at these sort of events i think the real value is more the context it gives so really what you see gives context so you can have a joel wilkinson who actually has the all-time record for 20 meter sprint yet when he actually played for gold coast back in the day well he couldn't ever apply that speed offensively so it was sort of all for not so and then you might have guys who they might look so quick in game and they might be you're sort of they might not even run 20 meters in three seconds so um, you really do have to take the testing with a grain of salt and really put it in the context of what they do in games. So um, for me personally, I don't see the combine moving the needle so much as giving context behind their game. And the other thing I'd say as well is you look for, because the, the clubs get data from years past as well. So you can track what's their rate of improvement, how have their measurements changed, have they gotten taller, are they getting stronger? So you can also see that sort of rate of progression as well, which again is sort of another sort of thing that gives you a bit more context, might give you a bit of a feel as to maybe their upside if they're improving dramatically across the board, or maybe they haven't improved at all, they're the same height, same weight, maybe they don't have the same upside, so... Um, that's where I'd sort of put that sort of into the equation and how I'd look at it. Well, uh, I think you've got a combine wrap coming for us at some point uh, next week, I think. It's uh, all so coming, we, yeah. we look forward to that with interest. Uh, so like I said, uh, any all these articles, espn.com.au forward slash AFL, you can find Chris's work there. Um, Chris, thanks for joining us today. Before we do wrap things up, why don't we run through a really quick phantom round one draft? Uh, I guess a bit of an early tease uh, to sort of see where you think players might be heading at this early stage. Um, I guess maybe we'll look at the first round, the first 18 or so picks and, and take it from there. So who have you got going at number one at the moment? It's North Melbourne's pick. Do you sort of see that being the case? Yeah. So North Melbourne looks set to take that pick understandably, and they're going to be hoping, obviously they're going to get the best player in the country. So Jason Horn Francis seems to be the consensus pick and understandably so. Um, they, there is the case that they should be considering Nick Dacos as well. And there is that question of who is the real number one, but it looks like probably Horn Francis will be the selection there. I know, we, I know we want to whip through this, but is there any, would there be any reason for them to pick Dacos if Collingwood is just going to match it? Um, well, if they believe he's truly the best player. So uh, um, that's usually the reason Jamara last year, of course, was um, part of the Bulldogs Academy. He yeah. was bit on pick one. So it happens. So yeah. Yeah, it might uh, the take Giants, the pressure off the player they eventually pick. So true. Yeah. The Giants have picked two. Do you think that will end up going to them? So there's potential bidding happening here. So yeah. you've got Nick Dacos, you've got Sam Darcy. I think there's a good chance the Giants bid on both. For me, they're probably that second and third best in the draft and with a bit of separation from the next. So I'd be assuming they do that. And then from there, I'd probably say a Finn Callahan as a high upside mid with incredible speed and agility who I've drawn upon already. So you think he'll go number four to the Giants? Yes, correct. Cool. Yes. So the, the Gold Coast Suns have the next pick? 
Yep. So um, Neil Erasmus is a tall midfielder. He can play a bit forward, a bit mid, but big time improver this year. And then the Adelaide Crows at six. Yeah, so Josh Rochelle, there's been a bit of talk about. So for me, the most skilled player in the draft can play mid-forward. Hawks are after that? Yep, so Josh Ward would be one in the mix as a ready-to-go mid with a complete game. And then the Fremantle Dockers? Yep, um, Jaya missed, so he's very accurate in front of goal and he's <laughs> considered the best key forward in the draft. So Jaya like Miss, A-M-I-S-S. There you go. So I he's a good one. I think he's a good chance for the Dockers. They need another key forward. So uh, That's good. Uh, a rare first round appearance from the Tigers. How do you see their, their draft playing out? Yeah, so um, Mac Andrew. So he's a Melbourne Next Gen Academy. So two metres, very thin development project, but he might start out as a key positioner and then as he develops physically become a ruck. But high leaper, a lot of talent there. Uh, next on the list, I think, is Fremantle again. So... Yeah. With two picks quite early in this in this piece, do you sort of see them potentially looking at, at dishing that and, and looking at, to to secure picks for for future years or, or further down in the draft, or do, you, or do you think they're going to go after two players in this draft early? It'll be interesting to see. There is still the opportunity to trade, but yeah. there's two local talents that I think would fit quite well. So the other one I'd say is probably Matthew Johnson as another local. So um, he's a tall midfielder, 190 centimeters. Uh, he's 192 actually, but yeah, great skills, great hands. I think he'd be a good fit, really classy type. So the Saints um, might look at a Josh Gibkiss, so key defender, athletic. Could he could go earlier potentially, but if he makes it to the Saints, he'd make sense. Fair enough. Uh, and then the West Coast Eagles had pick ten, but I think that slid to pick twelve at this point. Yeah, that's correct. So um, Ben Hobbs, I'd look at. So um, really sort of ready to go midfielder. West Coast like their guys who have been good for a few years and Hobbs is someone where he's been on the radar for a few years and really advanced player. So he can play year one and again, add further to that midfield that needs a bit of regeneration. Do you think throughout the year you've touched on all of these players that you're, 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 you're working through, like throughout your power rankings and your weekly wraps? I, I think he has because yes. all these names sound very familiar to me. <laughs> So yeah. if, again, like I said, if, if you want, you, all you need to do is you need to Google Chris Dory's name or ESPN and, and some of these names and, and you almost come up with where they are in the power rankings each month and all that sort of stuff. Um, Port at pick 14. Um, so I've, I think I've actually got Essendon. Oh, so Essendon, my 13. apologies. Yes. I so um, I reckon they need something on the outside. So Nasaya Wanganin Malira, I think is a chance. So yeah. Famous name there. Famous Any name. Relation? So the son of actually Terry Malira for the St Kilda fans and also the um, nephew of Gavin. So there you go. Good pedigree. Got that there. So, but incredible speed. He's got the speed agility combo, incredible skills. One of the most skilled in the draft, but needs to develop that inside game. But Fair enough. Sort of uh, then I think it's the power. Yeah. So may, they might look at an Arlo Draper, just add a bit more young class to their midfield, I think would make a lot of sense. Has a bit of versatility. So it gives them options short term as well. Uh, the Giants? Um, Jacob Van Royen. So key positioner, can play forward or back. Um, very athletic, strong mark. I, I like him back. So I think that might be a good spot for him to develop. And the first of two Brisbane picks in the first round? Uh, I, I think they might actually look at a Darcy Wilmot. So rebounding defender, generates a lot of drive. Um, I think he's born the last day of the year. So um, there's a lot of upside there. So a Victorian, so it's a bit of a question mark with all of the Victorians. but Right, so he's young, is he? Yeah, so uh, the youngest in the pool. So, yeah. There you go. Uh, the Tigers? Um, Josh Sin. So rebounding defender, generates a lot of drive with his run and a damaging long kick as well. 
Uh, and then the Swans? Um, Josh Gota. So tall, he can play back, he can play midfield. So 190 centimetres, very athletic. And then the final two picks of a, a first round phantom draft go to Melbourne and the Brisbane Lions. Who have you got uh, going there? Yep. So to Melbourne, I've got Tyler Sonzi as a pretty good all round midfielder. He's had some inconsistencies, but he's had some big games, including a big one in the VFL for Box Hill. So I think he might be on the radar there. Adds a bit of speed. And that final pick to the Lions? And I've got a bit of a surprise here. Mitch Owens. He hasn't been spoken about much as a top 20 pick, but I sense that Brisbane might like him as a later developer with a birthday in the second half of the year. That's something that Brisbane have liked over the last few years. And I think he gives them a few options as well with his athleticism, height, skills. Interesting stuff. Uh, this is good. So you have a couple of uh, phantom drafts coming through on the website uh, throughout the coming weeks. I think you've got the first one coming late next week. Uh, and then obviously as things develop and, and uh, you have your ear to the ground and some other bits and pieces come through, we'll probably have another one, I think, just before the draft. So if you are into fandom drafts, make sure you do keep an eye on the website uh, or if you subscribe to our newsletter as well, we'll be sending those out uh, and Chris's work will be in those. So, so do keep an eye out because they are pretty jam-packed full of information that you need uh, heading into the draft. Jake, anything to add before we wrap things up for today and look forward to uh, another episode in a month's time or so? Uh, I think we've covered most of it. Um, we'll probably go a little bit deeper as we get closer to the draft, but I think as you said off the top, it's, uh, you know, my Christmas is the Brownlow medal. And I think the, the draft trade period, all this stuff, it's, uh, look at him smiling over there. He's loving it. <laughs> it's my time of year. <laughs> well, I think also Christian really enjoys it as well. So we'll, we'll try and get him on. We'll have to, we'll have to make sure that he's not on leave. Um, Christian, if you're listening, we'll be, we'll be coming and knocking on your door. Uh, sometime next month ahead of the draft. But Chris, look, thanks very much for joining us. We know how busy you are uh, with uh, your full-time job as, as well as doing stuff for ESPN. And I know you had a late night last night, so uh, maybe go and get some some Zeds, uh, go, get, go and get some sleep. And we thank you very much for Early joining us on the me. podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Jake, good to speak with you as always. We'll do it again soon. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod, wherever you get your podcasts.